What's up guys, this is Corey Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribraid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. All heavy duty parts and framing with well thought out accessories that are easy to use and not bogged down with lots of tiny parts. By far the best accessory item that Ameribraid sells is their surface grinding attachment. It is absolutely foolproof and the best in the industry. With quick release magnet system, there is no prying your workpiece off the platen. Very fast to slap a billet or a knife onto the table, engage magnets, and start surfacing with precise increments. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to Ameribraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast. What's up, everybody? We're back again on our own show. It's good to be home. You got me, Ryan Chadborn Knifeworks, with Noah from the Eniot River Forge. And today we got Brent from Cross Peen Forge on. What's going on, Bent? Hey, guys. How's it going? Did you just good. call him Bent? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I didn't mean to. <laughs> Don't why'd you gotta why'd you have to call me out on it because <laughs> uh, it was funny uh welcome to our show we're gonna mispronounce your name and uh then then it'll be in lowercase when we uh when we post it probably too so. <laughs> i my boss was giving me shit at work the other day for writing everything in lowercase on the computer i'm like I, I, you dude you can, i get crap you can every it. week from people like why can't you capitalize people's names and i was like that's not me Text Ryan. Tell, tell Ryan that. <laughs> All right. So Brent, I apologize for uh, the the mis misnaming there. Um, My bad. Yeah. So we don't normally like uh, do like a full like deep dive interview on our show, but I have to admit, like I've talked to you a couple times on Instagram and stuff, but I don't know that much about you. So let's uh, let's hear where you're from. Maybe when you started making knives, and uh, another fun fact. Um, so I'm from California, unfortunately, and uh, <laughs> north or south? It's, um, central. Like I, I'm oh, okay. originally from San Jose, but um, right after high school, I moved down to the Central Coast with my parents and started going to uh, Cuesta College out here and um that didn't last long because i ended up having my first son um who just graduated a couple days ago so uh, right on but congratulations thank you but uh been down here ever since and uh it as far as california goes it's actually a pretty nice area and kind of country vibes and small towns and stuff so Right on, man. So, my experience with California when I lived out there was it's not so much north and south anymore as it is east and west. Like, eastern California is a different, like, type. Like, that's where the red area of California is. And then the coastal is all California, California. Yeah. And so, I'm actually probably considered coastal. I'm about, uh, 
20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes from the beaches and stuff. So, um, but still kind of inland and more, uh, country ish. Rural. So, yeah. Gotcha. So, I don't That's think what I've I ever... loved about California was like I was up in Redwood country and you were never a half hour away from anything. I mean, yeah. the beach was the beach was one way. Mountains were another way. You could go skiing like it was crazy. Yeah, we got a lot of mountain areas around here and then, uh, you know, the beaches right next to them. So you can kind of have the best of both worlds on that part. So. That's crazy. That's such a like a unique geographical location to be that close to both things. Even in Washington, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when I lived over on the coast, I mean, I was still at least an hour from the beach. And that's, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but the Puget Sound is this massive sound with like islands in it and everything. Like to get to the ocean ocean, like you'd have to drive probably three minimum, I would say three hours from where I used to live and now I'm way far away from it and you're still uh, hour minimum from like the being in the mountains mountains. So it was still pretty far away, but yeah, to be that close to everything uh, in that area of California must be pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, it's nice in that aspect. So um, there's, you know, pros and cons to everywhere, I guess, but it's uh the scenery is definitely one of the good things about it. So. Right on, man. So uh, when did you get into, uh, into knife making? Um, so I started a couple years ago, but uh, it's been really like off and on just whenever uh, I have time. Um, right now I have my family stuff. Of course, like I have three kids um, I'm going to school full time and, uh, I've been a meat cutter and, uh, managed, um, meat departments for about, uh, in the meat department for the last 20 years. So, um, but I was a manager for 15 years and it was just going nowhere and I wanted to do something different. So, uh, I'm back in school now and trying to get out of there (laughs) right on so a you have Uh, a pretty decent experience with um with bladed instruments i would imagine working in in meat for that long and then also what do you uh what are you going to school for now um right now i'm uh kind of doing a double major of business and english um just trying to get something that can open different doors and uh you know, but I'm actually going to take some welding classes too while I'm in just because I suck at welding and don't we all, it can be helpful, I guess, with knives and stuff. So, but yeah, if you know how to weld, that opens all kinds of doors. That's, uh, that's for sure. And, uh, and business classes are always helpful for anybody pretty much in any, any field. Um, I definitely wish that, I've talked about this a lot, but I always wish that I had more of a, a business uh, acumen, more more of that sort of mindset. So uh, that's something that's always tough. 
Um, so was it the meat cutting that kind of got you into knives or was there some other catalyst that happened to make you want to do that? Um, it was, uh, partly the meat cutting and partly, um, my son was really getting into watching forge and fire and stuff. And, uh, so he said, Oh, we should do something like that. And so I said, okay, let's try it and see what we can come up with. And so I wanted to make some knives that I could use at work. And, uh, of course the first handful of them were just absolute garbage. And <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, just kind of kept working at it until I got something that I could actually use and um, just kind of went from there. And now it's turned into something that I try and get out there every time I can and, uh, you know, spend as much time as I can working on them and having fun with it. Awesome, man. So I, I scroll on your Instagram and it looks like, was you had like a, a selection of uh, railroad spike knives. Were those some of your first ones that I saw there? Yeah, those were uh, some that I was just trying to get some practice uh, and hammer technique and stuff like that. Just uh, when I was starting out and um, kind of made them as Christmas presents and stuff, just started giving them away. And yeah, um, but it it was uh, good practice for me, and but that was yeah, it's what I tried to work on a lot when I was first starting out. So. Yeah, my first knife was a railroad spike too, because I had a couple laying around, and so it worked. Um, I'm actually getting kind of back into that right now um, because I can't remember who was. I think we we were talking to Jason Knight, and he just kind of like threw out random. He's like, yeah, if you really wanted to, you could just make like a hundred. Uh, railroad spike knives and just sell them for whatever and like stuck in my head and i'm like that's a good idea because i do uh do a lot of markets here in the summertime we have a any at uh maker's market and i'm like if i just forged out a bunch of railroad spike knives i could just kind of sell those and people could give them as gifts like i don't have to charge a whole lot for them there's no handle are they the best deal eh, no are, are people really going to use a railroad spike knife eh, probably not so uh I'm it's definitely a novelty a of- thing yeah, exactly. It's Is a novelty. It? Like it doesn't have to be like a, a high use uh, carbon steel. Um, I've been doing some research. Um, shout out to the Barefoot Forge. They had a really great article about uh, different types of steel that are used in um, in railroad spikes. And there's actually higher carbon railroad spikes that that are made for different applications. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. I made one the other day and it was just a blast. It was so great. I mean, I love I love forging. I've always talked about that, but just it, it's, they're easy to forge. It's a lot of fun. I mean, yes, it's cool to make mosaic patterns and stuff, but just to like the act of forging and just kind of forging it as close to shape as you can, like it's, it's such a fun thing to do. And it was really great to do something fun again, instead of the work of, you know, fine details and trying to fit things up perfectly and all the other stuff that we get into the the more we progress so yeah the those are fun projects to make and even though there's not a lot to them when you give them away to people they're like stoked to have them and get really excited about them and uh same thing with those little steak flippers 
that you can make from railroad spikes. Like I've had a lot of people really like those and those are quick, fun projects to do too. So. I have some high carbon railroad spikes if you want them. I ain't going to use them. Well, yeah, absolutely. I'll dig them out. I'll send them to you. Sick. They're, they're just collecting rust in my shop. Perfect. Yeah, I just ordered some off of eBay. Actually, there was a couple different sellers on there that had them, and I'm like, well, shoot, I'll just get some higher carbon ones. Um, someone, what do they go for? The spikes? Yeah. Oh, they're cheap. It was like twenty or thirty bucks for a pack of them. Oh, yeah, that's cheap. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, there's barely any cost of materials. I'm not putting handles on them. I'm doing like some twists. I've come up. I got a couple ideas um, for some cool twist handles and uh and some different blade shapes and honestly i'm just gonna forge it and whatever blade shape comes out like i'm just gonna go with that you know just make some different stuff the one i forged the other day had a little bit of a recurve to it i haven't made a recurve in a while like that was kind of fun and it's just gonna forge out the bevels i was i was actually kind of impressed with myself because i had it's been a while since i've forged something like close to shape i was like man i forged like a distal taper on this thing i forged the bevels in good it felt really awesome so yeah those are Go ahead. That feather Damascus you made was fucking amazing. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I actually just finished it. Um, that that's what I was. That's the reason I was kind of late to this podcast is because I was finishing that. I put a handle on it, and it's actually pretty much done. So I, I've been talking about that project for a very long time, and it's actually finally finished. So I'm very. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's it's like it's one of those things where like you want to be relieved but you're still like nervous about it for some stupid reason like that's where i'm at right now yeah uh, it, that was a boner worthy pattern pattern and it, <laughs> it looked really good have you can Thanks, you guys see this fucking monster fly that's flying around my shop <laughs> I, I saw one a couple times yeah he's pissing me off i got my little salt out in here you think that Cigarette the amount smoke? of yeah, I mean, why why isn't he gone? Like they don't like smoke. I mean, if if anybody has ever not watched the YouTube version of this podcast, Ryan is generally obscured by a cloud of smoke. I wouldn't think there'd be any insects near him anywhere. I chain smoke on the podcast bad. It's a problem. But uh, I have one of them little bug assault guns. This thing, yeah, those things are awesome. It's the He's same too one I got. Quick, I, I can't hit him. He's too quick. But. I figured something out for all the listeners. So if you have a lot of flying insect problems in your shop, shut off your dust collection and shut off your air filtration and grind some G10. <laughs> like, it kills them, dude. They fall right out of the air. Fucking... You'll get a little bit of cancer, but no insects. <laughs> well, flies don't have respirators on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wear, wear a respirator, guys. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah. We're, we're, we <laughs> do. <clears throat> yes, we do always wear respirators. Yes. <clears throat> the PPE police will shut us down if we don't talk about respirators and eye protection. See, but. I suck at remembering to put a respirator on, but I will never, ever be in my shop without eye protection. That is one thing that I am like 100% all the time. As soon as I walk into my shop, I put eye protection on. And I hate like the like the scratched lenses and stuff because like, I don't know it just bugs me. So I will whenever I go to Harbor Freight, I buy like ten of their like dollar fifty two dollar like cheapo eye protection. And as soon as they get scratched, I just throw them away, reach into my toolbox, and grab another pair. That way, I'm always like there's never a uh, there's never an inclination to ever not wear eye protection because I always have clear 
clear eye protection that I can see very well out of every time. I have my prescription glasses and anytime I forget to like, cause I'll take them off like when I'm on the computer or whatever, and then I'll forget to put them back on, start grinding. And like when you feel the abrasives hit your face, I have like a moment of freak out where I'm like, Oh shit, I'm going to go <laughs> blind. I'm weird about my eyes, dude. Like when I got, oh, when yeah. I caught that, when I caught that 36 to the face, that was like the first thing I checked. I was like, can I still see? Okay. Yeah. Oh, there's blood running down my face. Oh, that's a problem. Brent, I see you're wearing glasses. Did you just wear those in the shop or or how do you how do you tackle that? Yeah, usually I'll wear my glasses or um I have a pair of old glasses that I um did have. I actually made a um reel about that um that I was put a band on them to fit underneath a respirator. That was and, a good uh, one. That was a good video. <laughs> and uh, I got a few people saying, like, why not just get contacts? And I hate anything near my eyes or in them. And so, um, yeah, I usually wear these. And sometimes I'll wear the bigger goggles over the top of them. Gotcha. But, I tried a face shield for a while because I really, like... I wanted to, the other thing that sucks is it's difficult to wear a respirator with a face shield, or at least the one that I got. Um, But I don't know, whenever I'm wearing glasses, I always get like, you get stuff on the inside of them, right? So you have to clean them off. It's so hard to like wipe off the inside of a face shield. I don't know, it bugs the hell out of me. So I always just wear regular safety glasses for some reason. I have one of the benchmarks abrasives hoods, like the face shields. And it's nice because it the bottom of it is shaped to the shape of a respirator, so you can wear your respirator underneath it. Oh, that's nice. But I never wear it. I never put it on. It's like shame. Eh. Even when I'm angle grinding, but I'm a surgeon with an angle grinder. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, um, Brent. Since since we need to make this a little bit more about you. Let's do a little bit of this or that. Ryan, that's your cue, buddy. Stop drinking a monster. Was... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fleabag. A little bit of this and a whole lot of that. Would you rather fly in a submarine or swim in an airplane? Would you rather be a reindeer? Would you rather surf a wave of Kool-Aid? Or snowboard a mountain of dip and dot. Would you rather fly or be able to breathe in the water? Would you prefer the ability to stick to walls, or would you rather shoot spaghetti from your fingers? That's right, guys. It's time for a little bit of this and a whole lot of that. Brent, I have a large list of ridiculous questions, and you have to choose one of them. The choice is binary, like many things in life. And if you don't want to be held to these rules, then you can just choose the Jason Knight option and make fun of me for every single one of them. Uh, But here we go. Nintendo or Xbox? Uh, Nintendo. Damascus or San Mai? San Mai. Fishing or hunting? Hunting. Would you rather be able to understand what animals are saying, but they all speak in Shakespearean English, or have the power to change your appearance, but you can only transform into different varieties of fruits and vegetables? Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I hate Shakespeare, but uh, with it being an English major, I've had experience with it. So I think I'd go with the understanding animals. <laughs> Very good. Uh, snow skiing or water skiing? Uh, snow skiing. Carpet or hardwood? Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, probably uh, hardwood because you can put rugs down, I guess. <laughs> Who knew that was going to be the hard one here? Would you rather have... <laughs> Would you rather have a personal cloud that follows you around and rains on command or a pair of shoes that always teleport you to the nearest ice cream parlor? Oh, the shoes. Teleporting shoes. Would you rather have a pet dinosaur that you can ride to work or a pet dragon that could cook all of your meals for you? Um, well, I got married to get all my meals cooked for me, so <laughs> I'd, take the, I'd take the dinosaur. <laughs> Uh, are you the kind of guy that pays in cash or do you pay a card for everything? Uh, usually card. Would you rather craft a chef knife that can effortlessly chop through anything or a collector's knife that is a true work of art, but not practical for everyday use? A uh, chef knife that could chop through everything. Uh, would you rather have the ability to speak every language fluently, but only while doing a handstand or have the power to control gravity, but only when you're sneezing. <laughs> uh, what was that first one again? <laughs> Would you rather have the ability to speak every language fluently, but only while doing a handstand, or have the power to control gravity, but only when you're sneezing? Uh, would that also enable me to do a handstand because uh, I know I can't do that. So. Well, you'd have to learn how to do a handstand because then you could speak every language fluidly. Fluently. I can't even speak English right. fluently. Uh, I'll go with that one. Okay. All right. Uh, here's the last one. Okay. This is the hardest one. Would you rather do the dishes or laundry? Uh, laundry every time. I hate dishes. What? Yeah. Really? <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Does that include folding? Yes. Yes, absolutely includes wow. folding. Because I would mm. much rather do the dishes because I swear to God, if like if I I cannot fold clothes and it there's something about it that is so monotonous, it, it makes me want to die. <laughs> That's just my yeah. personal opinion. But anyways, there we go. This or that. <laughs> Now we know a little bit more about Brent, and uh, apparently dishes aren't uh, aren't so bad, or dishes are terrible to him. Is what I meant to say. <laughs> um, uh, and and for all the people who have DM'd me recently, uh, I was not high while writing those questions because um, <laughs> I actually don't smoke. I, I, I'm the I'm the host that doesn't smoke weed, so um, uh, I just have that vivid of an imagination and. Um, that that amount of ability to get good prompts into chat GPT. So there's that. Well. I didn't realize that I was regarded as such a stoner in the community. And then I got to blade and certain someone's brought me weed since I flew. I don't think we have a single episode where the fact that you smoke weed is not brought up. So I think that it's might probably... have something to do with it. Oh, <laughs> it's probably because yeah, I'm, <laughs> 
There's not Oops. many of them that don't talk about. <laughs> I like weed, that. everybody, but I don't drink alcohol. Crossfitters, vegans, weed smokers. Yeah, pickle too. Pickles. <laughs> Try to get one conversation without bringing it up. Start tensing up. Did you know that I'm vegan? Did you know that I do CrossFit? Did you know that I smoke weed? Or, or, or when you ask somebody a question and they start off their response by saying, well, as a vegan, my opinion is like this. It usually comes up because I start coughing before I can get to the mute button. Oh, yeah. That does happen fairly frequently. My bad. Oh, you're we bad. Are, we are flea bags after all. That is true. Though Mareko told me at Blade that we're not flea bags and he had heard of us previously. He specifically said that we're not flea bags. Well, so I said of the Hustle and Grind podcast, and our friend Brigham was standing there. And Brigham goes, "You know, one of them flea bag shows." <laughs> Way to go, Brigham! I love you, man. Uh, that's so great. So, so Brent, um, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe you uh, went to Blade Show. No, I didn't, and I really wanted to, and but uh, that was the same weekend that my son was graduating high school. So instead, Priorities, I went man. down to the. What's more important to you? Come on, <laughs> you know, it was a toss-up. <laughs> Are you trying to say that family is more important than hanging out with a bunch of dudes and looking at knives? Come on, he edged it out, but. I also, uh, since he lives down in Southern California, I made that a trip where I went and visited the Ameribraid uh, shop and nice. got to do a little tour there and what? bought myself a little present, uh, one of their surface grinding attachments. So I'm really excited about that. So. You lucky SOB. <laughs> I'm, I'm jealous, man. I want to go visit their shop. Those dudes yeah. are so fucking funny, man. Yeah. They're awesome guys. We're hanging out with them in the pit at Blade. And they're just bros, just like us. They're awesome. Yeah. We love those guys. Yeah. They unfortunately they were still on their way back. They had some stops to make, so they weren't there, but um the rest of their guys were there working and they were just as friendly like took me in there and showed me everything and uh it was a pretty fun experience nice that's awesome maybe one day i'll have to get down there and visit those guys that would be fun that'd be a fun trip i probably and i'd probably have to fly that'd be a long drive unless it isn't what would that be like 12 hours 13 hours yeah it'd probably be a decent decent drive for me but there's cool stuff like you, I could go see the, like the redwood forests and um, uh, what's it called? Um, there's a, a park down there. Yosemite. Yosemite. No, uh, I call it Yosemite because it pisses my wife off. Um, so <laughs> your, I, I always, your wife's I not listening. <laughs> yeah, but I have to keep it solidified in my mind so that I always mispronounce it. So I, the last thing I want is to accidentally pr pronounce it correctly. Uh, Avenue of the Giants is really cool. What's uh, that? It's like a drive-through part of the Redwood Forest. Like you don't even have to get out of your car. 
Oh, yeah, um, I've heard of that. Didn't there used to be a tree that you could drive through, but it's gone now? It was there when I was there, but that was like 15 years ago. Yeah, I think I heard that it, it went away. I can't remember where I heard that, but... I have pictures of young me standing inside of a hollowed out log. Like, oh my God, Brent, look how big it is. Brent, have you been there? You live in the state. Yeah, yeah when I was younger, uh, we used to go camping up there a lot and stuff, so... Nice. It's very humbling to stand next to a living organism that's 2,000 years old. That would be pretty cool. I'd love to see that. I mean, don't get me wrong. We got big trees here in Washington, but they're not like as big as the red ones. Yeah, those things are huge. I cut down one that was next to my house, and uh, that was was a trip, let me tell you what. But it um, it was too close to the house, so it had to come down and... That was a hell of a project climbing up this tree. And then like we set up like a zip line so that we could like zip down the the branches and stuff. And I am not like I'm a professional redneck, which means that I can I can do pretty much anything at like a mediocre quality. And uh, so that was a lot of fun. But I'm not I'm not a logger by any means. Maybe I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid of heights, too, but I did it anyways. So. There may have been some manner of tree that may have at some point contacted the house. Maybe. <laughs> maybe I was always maybe. the guy that got made fun of on roofing jobs because like I had to have one hand on the roof at all times. You know? I'm like, uh, uh, and this guy's like walking down the edge. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You're crazy. Yeah. No. That fly is still hanging around you, man. That's Dude, crazy. it's pissing me off. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, shoot. I, All right, so- there's no there's no food out here. I don't know where they come from. All that's out here is like chemicals and fucking grinding dust. I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. Neither. So, Brent, let's, uh, let's hear about your favorite type of knife to make like what what's the one thing that you make like a lot of or is something you enjoy making um i've been getting more into like the little like edc knives and stuff like that and uh i like making the little um three finger kind of knives that you can just kind of carry around and not have them not have too much uh to carry you, I guess (laughs) you'd say, but, um, I've been getting, I kind of go back and forth between stuff like that and chef knives. Um, but I have been thinking lately about kind of getting into doing a couple like small batches just to see if I can make anything of them and sell some. Um, but do you mostly do custom orders? Um, Honestly, I mostly just make stuff just to make it, and uh, I haven't sold many of them, honestly. I've probably sold maybe about four knives. Um, Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, I just, I don't really push them, and I've gotten a few inquiries about them, but uh, nothing much. so I just kind of post them to Instagram when I'm done and 
if I get any feedback on them, they're mostly all available, but uh, for the most part, I just kind of make them just as a hobby, just to have fun and go from there. Gotcha. So not very, very, very much just enjoying the, the art of knife making rather than any sort of like serious business model then right now, then is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been making like uh, pretty much everything I do is a one-off right now. So um, I want to try and make some more uh, chef knives and a couple little um, EDCs. Like I have this one that I make that's like a, uh, like a Tonto, but um, also like a harpoon um, point on it. And so uh, I kind of want to make a few of those because I just like the way they look and want to make a few different styles of that one and see if I can maybe sell a few of those or something. But I have, have, I, have you posted this, uh, this harpoon Tonto? Cause I don't think I've seen that. Um, I posted one I have, uh, so I posted the one that I made with, uh, some chaotic artwork scales. It was going to be a, um, giveaway, but when I did the, I did it as a winner's choice and hmm. the person who won picked a different one. So now I kind of just carry it around, but, um, actually it's, looks like that if, I don't know. If oh, nice. Gotcha. Okay. So, so it's not an extreme Tonto. It's just kind of like a mild, a mild tip that's on it then. Yeah. More of a, like a swoop to it. Kind of gotcha. not like okay. a hybrid. I was, I was having a hard time there. Like imagining like a harpoon Tonto. I'm like, man, what that even look like? That sounds badass, but I, I couldn't yeah. envision it for a moment there. But yeah, that's a cool little knife, man. Um, I, I saw you did like a chef knife with some Baker forging tool. You also had another EDC that was a Damascus pattern that I'm not familiar with. Who made that? That other steel was like a raindrop uh, Damascus over like sand mai. Uh, was it the bulldog Damascus? This one I just finished this up. Yeah, that's the one. The, uh, oh, man, I, the people not watching on YouTube are missing out. That's fucking nice. It's a badass Thanks. blade, man. Like, I really like it. Uh, did you put those scales together yourself as well? Yeah. So that's, um, so the steels from uh, Bulldog Damascus, um, and he makes just, like, everything he makes is just incredible. Uh, I've been, I was trying for a long time to get that, and he only puts out, you know, like, three to five billets at a time and if you're not on the ball and there to snag it as soon as it drops then you're not getting anything from him so um i was able to jump in and grab that one and i've worked on it for a while got the rough shape and then i set it down and worked on other projects but um i came back to it just recently and made the scales for it out of um, some curly maple and uh, the mammoth molar. So, so I was wondering if that's what that was, the spacer in the middle. So that's, that's yeah. mammoth molar. Uh, is it like a, it's like a black dyed curly maple then, right? Yeah. Oh um, man. It's a freaking badass looking handle. I love that. Uh, I love dark. I love dark 
uh, dyed woods, and I especially love anything with Chatoyans. So, I mean, curly maple, quilted maple, that's my jam, man. I love that stuff. Yeah, that's I'm the same way. I like the dark colors, but I also like high contrast. So, um, yes, I've been on this like kick of chaotic artworks resin because it just has that kind of wow factor and when you pair it with another like a dark wood or something like that it just really stands out and it's something about it that i really like so absolutely man yeah and it worked well because the the blade you didn't correct me if i'm wrong but it didn't look like you did like a super dark etch so it was you could see the different layers but it wasn't like high contrast etch and it just had this really chatoyant look to the blade as well as the handle but it wasn't like overpowering between the two you know because that's something i struggle with is um trying not to get too crazy of a handle wood on something that has like a crazy pattern and making them and yeah. just kind of making a match and it seemed like you did a really good job on that one Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, his uh, Robert from Bulldog Damascus. He he does that. Uh, you know the random patterns that have like all these crazy designs in them, and then he puts all the nickel shims in there that make the layers separate and just stand out from each other, and it's. Like as soon as he put that on there, I, I like fell in love with the steel, and so I had to get it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I love it. It's a very unique look. I mean, you see like a lot of um, a lot of similar patterns out there, and that one's definitely got a cool, unique look to it. Um, it's a little bit different than what you normally see. And I haven't really experimented with nickel shims. I was actually talking to Pickle about that the other day and different different ways to use nickel in cladding and, and stuff to try and get more contrast and, and cool different, not even really patterns, but just different contrasts and stuff. So, um, But if I was going to get nickel, actually I did get some nickel and where I got it from was uh, Maritime Knife Supply. And they're actually a sponsor of the show. So let's go ahead and talk about Maritime Knife Supply for a second here. Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. Luke yeah, will be I got on some... Oh, sweet. Um, but yeah, I got some of those... Uh, those. He had some nickel. I can't remember. It's super thin, but I haven't used it yet. And uh... But Lawrence carries all that awesome stuff, and we already talked a ton about Lawrence last week because uh, we got to meet him at Blade Show, and that was freaking awesome. So, Go to you guys, Maritime Knife Supply. What's are you that? guys going to the um, Blade West in Utah? Or? I would no. I have gotten a moderate amount of DMs asking me that question, and I do not know. Um, I might um, there's going to be probably a few makers there that um, I didn't meet a blade and some that I did. So it'd be cool to hang out with them again. 
I don't know if I'll be able to. Um, is that something you're going to? Yeah, I'm. Uh, that one, I told my wife like I'm going. Nothing stopping me from going to that one. Um, I since I missed Atlanta, and uh, it seems like we have something going on every time there's a blade show. So I told her don't make plans. And if you have them cancel them, cause I'm going no matter <laughs> what. So. Nice. Uh, so is, is that driving distance for you then from, uh, from Salt Lake? It's about 12 hours, I think 12 oh, and a half from me. So I'm probably going to fly and, um, I just want to go check it out. So, um, so you're just going to, you're, you're not going to have a table. You're just going to visit then. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That was definitely the way to go for me. I mean, I know uh, Micah talked a lot about how much he loved having a table and everything, but uh, man, I don't know if I could swing that. Like uh, there's just so much to see and so much, uh, so much to just walk around. And I mean, I, I didn't, we, we already talked about how many tables I missed and how many people I didn't actually get to meet. Um, so having a table would just almost be impossible. I couldn't sit still for that long. There's, there's yeah. so many things, you know, you gotta, gotta go check it out. So yeah, I, uh, I definitely would love to go to blade West. I have no idea if I'll be able to the fall is usually a bit of a busier time for us. We usually have a lot of stuff going on, um, between family and hunting and all different kinds of stuff. So I don't know if I'll be able to, but I'll try, I'll make an effort. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I really want to go for is, uh, to, you know, meet people and see everything. I always talk to a lot of people on Instagram and stuff, but I've never met any of them in person. So I think it would be cool to actually get to do that. Absolutely, man. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm still coming down from Atlanta. It was, that was such a, a crazy high between being sleep deprived and, and meeting a whole bunch of people. I still am not cut up on sleep. I don't know about you, Ryan, but I still, uh, I'm still dragging during the day. My sleep schedule is always fucked up. Like I was saying before we got on, I was up till 5 a.m. this morning. And like I could have stayed up till seven or eight. I was wired. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, it should have been fine for you then if your sleep schedule is always like that. Yeah, but then I sleep like I went to bed at like five, fell asleep at five thirty, woke up at one in the afternoon, and then like I'm like, oh shit, it's still eight hours of sleep. But it's like my wife's like, it's so unhealthy, and I'm like, it's still eight hours. I'm just instead of from like eight to six or whatever, I'm doing fucking five to noon, five to one, four thirty to noon. Yeah, I mean, and if you know, if your schedule allows you to do that, then. I don't see a problem with it. Me, I, I have to get up and go to work uh, for the man. So I can't do that. I have to on Thursday and Friday. So then that throws a wrench in it because I have to be up at like six. So it screws me all up. But that's only for another year or so. That's to pay the old ex-wife, the ex-ball and chain. Oh, dude. So like my whole goal when I was growing up was I wanted to be self-sufficient enough to where my wife could stay home and raise our kids. And I somehow by the grace of God have managed to do that. But my wife is talking about getting a job at the school 
and she actually applied for this job at the school. And so I, I asked her, I was like, so, so how many years are you going to be needing to have this job before I can quit mine and you can be my sugar mama and I'll just stay at home and make knives all day. And she's like, yeah, you want me to retire you? I'm like, I mean, you know, maybe, I don't know. Sounds kind of awesome. I'll stay at home. I'll, I'll do the dishes. I'll wear a, I'll wear an apron and, uh, and, and do the dishes and laundry for you. If I get to stay out in my shop all day and make knives, I mean, that sounds kind of good, you know? It'd probably kill me though. I, I probably wouldn't be able to. I can't. I can't operate without routine. So, if I actually was like <laughs> left to my own devices and was able to just kind of do whatever I wanted, I'd probably become a very unhealthy person. I need the. I need the uh, the schedule, the dependence to to the get structure. up and go. Some yeah, the structure. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, the force yeah. structure. I hate the structure, but I need it in order to survive. It's very strange. Speaking of, uh, how did your wife feel about you meeting Ben Abbott without her? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I sent her a picture like right after I met him. I was like, babe, look, I met Ben Abbott. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She was fine with it. (laughs) She's going to be like looming in the background when we have him on the show. Oh, that's right. I need to contact him. I forgot. Thanks for telling me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I got to contact Dave Baker too. I wanted to let the dust settle. Yeah, you know? that's probably good. Yeah, I did it on purpose because I was letting the dust settle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like I thought about like messaging people right after I got back from Blade, and I'm like, they're still fucking traveling. I'm like, most of the people there were flying out, or you know, yeah. Well, and Dave and uh, Ben, when we were talking to them, said that they were heading right back into filming the next season, so they're going to be busy for a while, I'm sure. Those guys are hilarious. Oh, yeah. What did, what did he say to us? Thank you for the paychecks or something like that. Yeah. He's like, oh, you guys watch the show? Thanks for the paychecks. Appreciate it. When are those coming again or something like that? Yeah. We're still we're still waiting. <laughs> Made me think that there was some sort of like inside joke between them and and whoever they work with to do the show. I was like, ah, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but OK. I didn't I didn't have the heart to tell him I don't watch the show. I'm glad you did. I appreciate that. I don't watch that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I it's not my jam. I, I like I, I, car, I like cartoons, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, you're you're not normal though. But I guess none of us are. So, uh, how do you guys feel about doing one more ad? Uh, because we have one for Phoenix Abrasives, and then doing a little bit of uh, where in the world is Florida, man. Yeah, real quick on the Phoenix Abrasives, I listened back to the Blade Show post show with the se- all seven of us. I'm such an idiot. We played their ad <laughs> twice. I'm like, we didn't play their ad. And you're like, yeah, we did. And I'm like, we're going to do it again. <laughs> and I was wrong. I was like, oh, shit. I'm dumb. Oh, man. I was still exhausted from Blade Show because we recorded that the day Noah and I got back to our houses. Or it yeah, was the morning at. Yeah, the next day. It, day uh, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Here's Phoenix Abrasives. Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact gator belts that the hosts of Hustle and Grind use every day. 
When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Yep. Thanks, Luke. Matt Gregg at Blade Show, too. Hell of a guy. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, and I, I used my uh, my blue polishing compound that wasn't a brick of cocaine, and it actually works really good for handles. So that's what Greg that's said. He's like, he's like, that's what you use for handles. And I'm like, oh, really? I should probably have some then. And uh, yeah, man, I just polished up that bog oak, and it was a so it was a um, like a wah handle blank that I got from Roz Wildwood. Shout out to Roz Wildwood. I'm wearing his hat right now. And uh, I picked that up from him at Blade. And it's like a quarter sawn one. So it's got like the figurine on two sides of it. And when I polished it up with that blue compound, you could see it like shining through. Oh, gorgeous. So yeah, that blue co- polishing compound. If you don't have some, like I didn't, I highly recommend that you get some because the expensive wood that you buy all the time and put on your knife handles deserves it. Because and one loaf, because it's a literal loaf, is like a lifetime supply. Like you'll never have to buy more. Oh yeah, it'll last. I've been forever. using the same one for over a year, and I haven't even gotten the tip off one side. Not even the tip. It's- not even the tip. It's big. I use blue for handles, and then I'll use black on my stropping belt because it's a little more aggressive. But the blue, I like the blue because if you have any like lingering scratches you can't see, it fills them in and makes them stick right out. You're like, oh, there's a fucking scratch there. Yeah, that's actually what I do is, is I'll go straight off. the. I'll do my do my handle right off the grinder, and then I'll Paul or I'll hand sand just kind of the couple spots that I can't really reach very well on the grinder. And then I hit it with that buffer, whatever color I'm using. And it just makes those scratches stand out really well. So then I can go back in with either the grinder or the hand sanding and, uh, and get out those last few scratches. So it works really great for that. You're right. Faux show. Dude, and it's part cheap. Of my process. It's like, it's like 15 bucks. It's a literal loaf, dude. Like the TSA thought yours was a kilo of cocaine. That's why. That's how big it yeah. is. That's how big it is. Big. Yeah. All right. Let's do where in the world is. Oh, go ahead, Brent. Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask if you guys uh, run your um, buffing wheels at like a, do you have a certain speed or is it just the single speed or? Mine's a single speed. It's terrifying. Yeah. So I, I have just like a cheapo Harbor Freight buffing wheel machine that I bought. I have one of the airplane not the air, whatever the air airway buffing wheels, I think on one side and then a cotton buff on the other. And the airway buffing wheel is super aggressive. I think it's a red one or a pink one. I can't remember. And I use black on that. And so I use that for polishing up my choils, like finger choils and stuff. It works really good for that, but it can also kill you in like half an instant. And then I have my cotton one that I use for my handles that I try and keep clean in case I have like lighter colored woods and that sort of thing. Um, so I have both. And then I also have the buffing belts, like the, the blue felt back buffing belts from Phoenix that I run on the grinder. And those I can use at variable speed. And then I also have the black felt belt from Phoenix that you can use for buffing on the grinder. And I like that as well because that's variable speed. It's just you can't get into as many nooks and crannies with that as you can with like a loose cotton buff. That's the only thing that I keep the, the, the cotton buff for. I use yeah. these for tight spots. Mm. Yes, that's it's right. A, I remember you talking about those. A, a two-inch roll lock wool pad for polishing. And 
it's since it's on like a die grinder or a right angled die grinder, you can just like really cram it into those tight spots and it's not going to hurt you. Got to clamp Hell your yeah. work down, but yeah. Just want to add that in there. I haven't uh, seen much of those uh, buffing belts before, um, but they sound pretty interesting. I, I have like one of the cheap um, Harbor Freight buffer buffing wheels too. And then I have on that one, I run kind of the same setup as um, you do Noah with the uh, kind of the airway buff on one side and then a cotton one on the other. But then I also have um, one that's actually the motor out of a, like a um, spa pump. And I have that geared down to where it's uh, it spins it a lot slower. And I use that on my handles. I found at like a lower speed, it kind of gives um, different results and uh, works better for doing handles from so um i just have like a gear on uh the motor and then run like a a fan belt from a car and onto another gear and then that runs on a rod that has uh wheels on buffing wheels on each side so see that's what i'm talking about that's professional redneck right there yeah uh, the, the motor out of a out of a, a hot tub that's been <laughs> geared down to run your buffing wheels at a certain speed that is exactly what i'm talking about right there that you don't get that kind of ingenuity many places that's freaking awesome man i love that yeah it's it's sketchy as hell but uh nah, <laughs> no, it's fine but, but it works good so right on man yeah i love that all right Ryan, are you ready for uh, for somewhere in the world as Florida man? Sure am. Let's hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to play. Where in the world is Florida man? That's right, boys and girls. It's time to play our favorite game, Where in the World is Florida Man? I have a selection of three stories here. I'm going to read them off, and after each one, all you lovely listeners at home, Brent and Ryan, are going to get to guess, Where in the World is Florida Man? We begin with, A woman lived up a 180-foot, 1,000-year-old tree for two years to save a forest from loggers. At the age of 23, environmental activist Julia Butterfly Hill lived in a tree which was dubbed Luna in an act of civil disobedience. Her tree sit lasted from December 10th of 1997 to December 23rd, 1999. Do you believe this tree-loving environmentalist lady was from Florida or somewhere else in the world? That sounds like California. 100%. (laughs) 100%. Probably the San Jose area, maybe San Francisco. Wow. Getting specific here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to agree, but I got to admit that a lot of these stories, I think, oh, that's definitely California. And a lot of them have been Florida. So, but I think I would also guess California. All right, gentlemen, final answer, California. Yep. Yep. You are both correct. That was, in fact, San Jose, California. (laughs) Wow. 
I'm good. Damn, Ryan. <laughs> Great job. That was sent in by B Cone, the one and only. See, and I usually get them wrong. I got I knew where they were from on that one. That's the best you've ever done. That's amazing. That's how predict- predictable that behavior is. Yeah. Uh, great job, guys. All right, here we go. Next one. Woman drives up ramp of tow truck, launches 120 feet down the highway. It looks like a scene from a Hollywood blockbuster. A sedan rockets into the air after driving up the ramp of the flatbed tow truck on a highway. And the whole crash is caught on video by an officer's body camera. The driver was a 21-year-old woman, the report says. She was taken to a nearby medical center with serious injuries. After landing upside down, the Nissan struck another car, then tumbled end over end before coming to a rest 23 feet down the roadway. Do you believe that this real-life Mario Kart woman was from Florida or somewhere else? I don't remember where she was from. I watched that video. It was nuts. They were like at the scene of an already existing accident, and then the tow truck, she just whoom, GTAs it right off the back of the tow truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I, mean, I mean, this is something that we've all like, it, it goes through all of our heads when we pass a tow truck that has like the ramp down, or like when we're driving on the highway, like we think about it, right? We just don't ever do it. This lady either fell asleep at the wheel or she let her inner voice get the best of her because that was nuts. The question I'm going to go Florida. I feel like when I watched it, I was like, oh, I should send this to Noah. I feel like maybe, I don't know. I'm going to go Florida. You're going to go Florida? Brent, what you got, yep. buddy? Uh, yeah, I remember watching the video. I don't know where it was, but it was pretty crazy. Um, but I think I'll go Florida, too. Um, Both of you? I'm going to stick with Ryan on this one again. Final answer? Yeah. This one's difficult, guys, okay? Because I don't know how to say this. You're both correct and incorrect at the same time. Interesting. Right. That's where I'm talking. This is, this is, I, 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 you, how about this? I'll put it to you and and you guys can, can determine whether you are correct or not. This story happened in, in Georgia. This was actually really close to where we were last weekend. The problem is, is that the driver was indeed from Florida, like a Florida car with Florida plates, but it happened in Georgia. Does this count as a Florida woman story? Or is it a Georgia story? I don't know, but I don't ever want to drive down to Atlanta again. (laughs) Oh, full agree. Full agree. Because here's the thing. Like this is, this is Georgia level driving. Like, we were driving in, in Atlanta and there was no one there. And I mean, no one who didn't want to do 20 miles over the speed limit. It was insane. Like I almost, I almost there hit a lady. Fast. She yelled at me. Some she lady yelled, at, yelled at me. Yeah. No, one was there. I almost mm-hmm. hit a lady in my defense. We, it was like day three of three to four hours of sleep. And, uh, I, I checked my mirrors threw my blinker on and instantly started to change lanes and she fucking honk you didn't see my car <laughs> and then she instantly knew I wasn't from there because I apologized instead of calling her a bitch the, the, but, the yeah. greatest part was is that like neither of us cared because we were both so tired we're just like, okay, okay no no contact we're good alright it's fine where's the next turn <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it was, it was great. So I'm let's just go ahead. I'm just going to go ahead and say you guys were correct because it was a Florida driver, even if it is a very Georgia-level driving story. And uh, let's move on to the last one here. Man arrested on allegations that he used COVID relief funds to buy a Lamborghini. A man is facing several charges after authorities said he used COVID relief funds to buy a Lamborghini and bank millions. David Hines is being charged with one count of bank fraud, one count of making false statements to a financial institution, and one count of engaging in transactions in unlawful proceeds. The criminal complaint alleges that he submitted fraudulent loan applications for as much as $13.5 million in Paycheck Protection Program relief through applications to an insured financial institution on behalf of different companies. Uh, the complaint states, blah, blah, blah. He was approved for $3.9 million in PPE funds or PPP funds. And he allegedly then used those funds within days to buy a 2020 Lamborghini Huracan and... Uh, and he banked a bunch of money. So anyways, kudos to this guy. Although I guess not really because he got arrested. So do you believe that this, uh, this COVID trickster was a Florida man or someone else? Mm. You can drive Lamborghinis in Florida. You can't. You can. Oh, You'd never be able to drive one here. The roads are too bad. Potholes, fucking salt. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm. I see that. I didn't even think about that when I was writing this story up. That's an interesting point. I don't even know if I've ever seen a Lamborghini in person because you can't drive them here. What's the point of buying one? Well, Um, that sounds very Florida or Southern... Like maybe L.A., like wealthy Hollywood L.A. type deal. It's definitely a white collar crime. Uh, and th- yeah. I think this is actually the first time we brought up a white collar crime. For sure. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, like Southern California or uh, somewhere, maybe even Nevada. Break it down, it? guys. Come on. Uh, you gotta- I'm going to go <laughs> gotta- Florida. I'm just going to commit. We're too much dead air. I'm going to commit Florida. I'll go with California. Brent? I'll go with California. Holy <laughs> shit. Ryan, great job, man. You beat Woo! the get for like the first, like the second time ever, I think. Yes, that was absolutely a Florida man story. And do you want to know why? Because it was a white collar crime that I figured no one would guess Florida on. So I picked it just out of spite. So you're welcome. Nice. Uh, yeah, honestly. So, listeners, you're slacking. Okay. You know, I love you all, but I need some more submissions. Um, oh, shit. I forgot to mention that uh, the second one, the, uh, the driving the ramp off the tow truck, that was sent in by Brian Hinnekamp from Tortuga Blade Works. So, thank you very much, Brian. Um, but yeah, um, I, Brian's our guest next week. Hell yeah. I love Brian. Happy birthday, Brian. It was his birthday a couple days ago. Yeah, it looked like he was enjoying a delicious meal. I saw that. Uh, but yeah, anyways, I need some more Florida Man stories, guys. Um, and I, it, for a while there, I was just getting them one after the other. I couldn't even keep up. And uh, right now, I'm a little low. So get me some Florida Man stories or some fake news stories. I love those, too. I love doing fake news. Those ones are almost as much or more fun than the uh, than the actual Florida man stories. So those are 
those have been great. So. Yeah, those are wonderful. Okay. Go ahead, Brent. What do you say we roll into the after show? I think it's about time, but I think Brent had something to say, so let's let him finish this out, and uh, we'll get off of here. Oh, I was just going to say that those uh, so many of those Florida Man stories and stuff, they all seem like they could be in California, too. Like, there's the amount of... uh, tweakers and (laughs) stuff like that out here is like ridiculous so they all sound like they could possibly be california to me which is interesting because those states are like polar opposites politically and like and and literally polar opposites of the country (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I, i work with a guy from florida and he's like you know the exactly what you think of when you know you're telling these stories but now he's living out here and he's you know one of the coolest guys super nice and everything but you know you could totally pick him out of a lineup as a florida man so (laughs) i i have a vision in my head i know exactly what you're saying (laughs) <laughs> I, I felt really out of place in Atlanta. Did like, you? Um, yeah. I, I felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb. There's not a lot of tattooed people in Atlanta, I noticed. Or at least not where we were. Oh, well, I don't know. I, the only place I really remember being is Blade Show, and there was plenty of tattooed people there. Well, yeah, there. But And we went to that burger joint. That was a good place. That, yeah. that burger was good. Shout fries in a metal, yes. Yeah, shout out to Dennis Tyrell, but fries in a bowl is kind of weird. Yeah, but it was they were kind of good. Like they were a little too soft for my taste, but like I'm a sucker for like a good flavorful fry. Like mm-hmm. people don't understand like what a delicacy fries are. Like, okay, so if you're listening to this podcast and you don't make your own fries, you need you need to try this. Okay. This is, it's really not difficult. Okay. If you don't have a deep fryer, that's fine. You've got a pot in your house, right? Like one that has like the deep sides that you cook pasta in. Put two inches of oil in the bottom of that pan. And you can, I, I prefer peanut oil, but if, if all you have is like canola or something like that, no, you know what? Never mind. Don't use canola oil. That's poison. Okay. Seed oils are going to kill everyone. So try some. <laughs> Try some freaking peanut oil, okay? It's a little more expensive, but it's worth it because the flavor is way better. You all make knives. Grab one of your knives, slice up some potatoes, rinse the starch off after after you slice them off, up, let them dry. So, like, pat them down with paper towels or stick them in the oven at, like, 100 degrees, like the lowest your oven goes, and let them dry because you don't want that much of that liquid in there. And then throw them in that pot and fry them up Use like a pasta claw if you have to, to like fish them out so that it's all nice. Get yourself some good sea salt, okay? Not this kosher table salt crap. Get some sea salt, okay? Very easy to get a hold of. Uh, my favorite is called Saltverk. It's uh, Icelandic sea salt. Um, you can get it on Amazon. It's freaking amazing, okay? It's the best salt you're ever going to have in your life. It's like all of like the good salt flavor with like no bitterness to it. It's fantastic. That's all you need. Okay. So this is all stuff that is like you have in your kitchen generally at home anyways. And you fry those bad boys up. You'll, you 
you can stick them in like a strainer or just put them on some paper towels to get the oil to go off. Sprinkle that sea salt on there and they're going to be the best dang fries you've ever had in your life. Okay. Like stop buying frozen tater tots and frozen uh, fries from the store. Like this is really not difficult and it is freaking amazing. I never knew you were such a French fry connoisseur. Dude, I love French fries. Okay, like I, I have a separate stomach that is made just for French fries. So when when I eat, I can have like two or three burgers, and that fills up my stomach. And then I can eat like three pounds of French fries that go into a separate stomach that doesn't have any any influence on how full I am whatsoever. It's a special skill. Yeah, I have. fries are their own meal for me. I'm I'm a straight up potato face man, like. I'm only like two generations removed from Ireland. So like potato, yeah. everything I'll eat any potatoes, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Beat me to it. Anyways, Damn it. I was, you say we there. roll over. To the, yes. <laughs> We're going to roll over to the after show. Everybody Brent, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks it's for having fun. me on. Now we'll talk about the dirty shit in the after show. So, Nice. Everybody give us money and come over there. Bye, everybody. Go to patreon.com slash hustle and grind. <laughs>